Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. Thank you. Good morning, Living Word Family Church. It's good to be here. I know I'm always here now, but it's good to be positioned here this morning. It is an honor. Uh, and I, I ask you to believe with me for unction and utterance this morning as I uh, attempt to convey what God has put on my heart uh, to share with you. I, it's good to hear about uh, from Pastor Hagen. Uh, it's good to be missed, I guess. I, I certainly do miss parts of Oklahoma, but as hot as it's been here, it's probably even hotter there, so I'm good. But. So this morning, if you want to make your way to Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that is what I'm going to be preaching on. Let me give you, uh, start by giving kind of the origin story of this sermon. Uh, a couple months ago, I, I wasn't asked to preach this Sunday until about a month ago, but back in mid-June, I took a, a weekend trip to Tulsa uh, to be in a friend's wedding. And it's about a eight, nine-hour drive, depending on how much you sin by speeding. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard uh, a couple people say they make it in under eight hours, and those people will not see the kingdom of heaven, so <laughs> just kidding. Uh, about an eight- and nine-hour drive for me, a couple stops, and I usually try to mix up what I do during that drive. Sometimes I'll spend some time in prayer, I'll spend some time listening to music or listening to sermons or just in silence because I'm weird like that at times. So it varies, but on this trip back in June, I actually spent the majority of the trip down listening to sermon CDs, which are still a thing. I, I was pleasantly surprised to find out that my 2017 car had a CD player. I found these CDs, these sermon CDs, uh, when I was cleaning my room out when I moved back here in May, and they were from my grandpa that he preached in maybe 2009, 2010, and I found a string of them, like, back-to-back-to-back weeks, I don't know, it may have been a whole series, I'm not sure, but I was pleased to find those, and it was a series on hope, which was fitting for so many reasons, just in this hopeless world that we're in. It was just great to, great to hear him preach again, you know, that series. And I, it, it gave me the itch to preach again. I, I hadn't preached. I preached here in November, and then I preached three times in class over the last couple terms of school, but it had been since April, so here I am in mid-June. Like, like he said last week, uh, the, everything I learned was growing sour in me. I, I needed an outlet. So... On my way back from Tulsa that weekend, I took some time during my trip and I just preached to myself in the car. Nobody else, I mean, Jesus was there, but I just took some time, probably a couple hours, and I preached. And obviously, driving, knowing that I couldn't look up scriptures safely, uh, I, I had to pick something that I was pretty familiar with. So I went with Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and it was good. Like, none of you are going to hear it, because this version will be a little different, but it, was, it, it flowed very, very well. Uh, it, but 
but it was listening to my grandpa and those sermons that kind of lit that fire in me. It reminded me of, I got a little flashback to being about 13 and watching basketball in the spring and the fall, and I'd be watching it on TV, and I'm like, no, I gotta, I gotta get out to the driveway. I gotta do this myself. I, I, I hit so many buzzer beaters in our driveway. I'm... <laughs> but anyway, I, I preached to myself for a little bit. I, I wish I would have recorded it. Uh, I think that would have helped me in preparation for this, but uh, God's going to help us this morning. So, uh, When I was initially asked to preach, though, I tried to come up with my own ideas of what. I was like, okay, I can go this direction. I had all these ideas of titles and sermon ideas. I'm like, okay, I'm going to preach from 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to do this. There was no flow to any of that whatsoever. God just kept bringing this from June, which I hadn't thought about since then. He kept bringing it back to me, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. So, this is a little bit different for me. I know I've only preached a handful of times in general, but I, I tend to be more, more of a point-by-point kind of, that's just, it fits my personality, but today we're just going to take this passage and we're just going to go phrase by phrase. If we make it through both verses, so be it. If not, I'm fine with that too. So whatever God wants to do this morning, we're just going to, I don't have the luxury of saying, oh, let's. Let's unhook and pick up next week. I, but, yeah. <laughs> so we'll just uh, get as far as we get and go from there. But I'm going to start in uh, prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to corporately gather in your name. Your word says where two or three are gathered, you are there in the midst of us. We thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you for the chance we had to minister to you and worship. And now as we go to your word, we thank you that it will not return void. We confess that we are good ground this morning, and we will produce fruit from what we hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, for those of you after my own heart still using physical Bibles, I have given you a chance to get to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. So let's uh, just start by reading uh, this short passage real quick. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So that first phrase, be anxious for nothing. I, I could spend my entire 90 minutes on this. No, really, I, I, I think a whole series could probably be done on this phrase alone. But notice, it's not, it's not an encouragement. Paul isn't saying, oh, if you guys try really hard to not be anxious, you know, just, just do your best. No, it's, it's not a suggestion here. It's a command. Be anxious for nothing. Every New Testament command comes with two things. Number one, it comes with individual responsibility. When your eyes come across this verse, when you hear it, you're, you have become responsible for it. I've heard uh, Keith Moore several times in his church. That, so they meet on Sunday mornings and Friday nights, and he's kind of encouraged his congregation in this, along these lines. He said something to the effect of, as a member of this church, you're going to be held accountable for the content that comes from this pulpit. He would say that to his Sunday morning crowd to encourage them to come on Friday nights. Like, anything that's coming from this church that you're, you're saying you belong to, you're going to be held accountable for that information. And it's like, 
Wow, that's kind of sobering, but it's true. And as Bible-believing Christians, we're going to be held accountable for what we read in this word. And that shouldn't, that shouldn't keep us from the Bible. It should draw, it, it's, be anxious for nothing. That's okay. It should draw you to it, because there is a second thing that comes with every New Testament commandment. There's the individual responsibility, but there's individual capability. The responsibility side of it is like the weight of it, the gravity of, of the word. But the capability side brings the hope, right? God has never and will never instruct you to do something that you can't do. It may take time, it may be hard, but it is doable. Let me find where I'm at here, sorry. Yeah, just a few verses down from what we're reading in here, here in Philippians 4, verse 13, very well-known verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not in our strength that we will carry out these commands. It's, it's Christ in us, and that takes surrender. So be anxious for nothing. How do we do this? In a world that is so overrun with bad news, bad reports at every turn, how can we possibly be anxious for nothing? These verses, uh, 6 and 7, talk about prayer. And this whole, the beginning of Philippians 4 is really talking about our lifestyle in general, our, our time in the presence of God. You know, the psalmist didn't say, oh, let's, well, let's go to, uh, or you can put it up on the screen, Psalm 100, verse 4. This is how we're to enter his presence. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Psalmist didn't say, enter into his gates with anxiety and enter his courts with fear. Be dreadful of him. And bless. No. <laughs> We're supposed to enter into his presence, into not just corporately, but individually, enter times in his presence with this thanksgiving. And we'll talk more about that when I get to that part of the verse, but this is just so important. How are we, how are we posturing ourselves? in times of prayer, in the presence of God? How are we approaching him in prayer? Is it with anxiety? Is it with fear? I believe fear in our approach with God is the result of not having a full revelation of his love and his goodness. The other day I was listening to a song, it may have been last week at some point, listening to a song by Travis Green, um, with a very, very simple chorus, but it's sung from God's perspective. It says, I am good, you are loved. Simple, but true. Those two truths, revelation of those in our lives, mean fear has no place. 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. And then verse 18 of that same chapter says that there is no fear in love, but that perfect love casts out fear. So with that being the case, we cannot truly get into the presence of God with anxiety. The, the two can't coexist. If you spend time with God, fears are going to vanish. This is true. How can, we, how can we say that we're abiding with him and still holding on to any sort of fear? The two just don't go together. And I, I have definitely been there. This, uh, like I said, I preached this sermon to myself before here. So I am still preaching to myself. I'm still learning these things. I've been in times where I'm 
coming into times of prayer with a little bit of worry, a little bit of doubt about a certain situation or circumstance. But as we pray word-based prayers and truly spend time in the presence of God, all of that, that fear and anxiety just melts away. Go to Matthew chapter 6. We'll be there for a couple of references. Matthew 6, another well-known verse here, uh, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. All what things? So in the context of the passage, Jesus is talking about things that we shouldn't worry about. He's talking about food, clothing. He says, I take care of my, my lesser creations. And he's not, he's not referring to Cardinals fans. <laughs> he takes care of his lesser creations, birds, the, the flowers. He will surely take care of his most prized creation, which is you. Fear and anxiety have no place in our communion with God. So be anxious for nothing. Next phrase, but in everything... I'm going to stop there. In everything. I, I feel like this indicates how often we're to be praying, for one. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. Prayer should be our lifestyle. Talking with God, I believe, should be as natural to us as talking to any person that we know. I think we make it, sometimes we make it too much, too formal. I had a bit of a, a personal breakthrough in this regard during my time at Rama. Uh, I would go through stretches, as I'm sure many of us have, where prayer became more of a thing to check off of a to-do list rather than a pleasure. Just like, okay, I prayed today, I can check that box. I would go through seasons where it was more of me talking to God rather than talking with God. I, I, I'm sure many of us can identify, but... But prayer isn't to be like that any more than any other conversation should be. It's called dialogue, die meaning to. It's called that for a reason. It's a conversation. So has anyone ever had a friend like that where you have a conversation with them and it's like you don't, you don't get any words in because they just monopolize the, the talking portion of the conversation? Imagine this. A person comes to you for advice. They have all these problems, and for 20 minutes, all they do is talk to you about them. They, they go over all their problems. They maybe even say that they're going to ask for your advice and your opinion, but then after 20 minutes, they walk away and say, okay, I've got to get to something else. They don't even let you talk. I, I have to admit, I've been like that far too often in my prayer time. All right, here's this God. Take care of it. Talk to you tomorrow. That's not a relationship. That's not how it's supposed to be. Nobody wants to be in a friendship like that, but thankfully God is so very merciful with us. And God should, like I said, treat him like, not, not in a disrespectful way, but treat him as you would a friend as far as conversation goes. He should be our best friend, truly. I, in one of my classes at Rhema, I had to write a sermon outline that was geared towards children and or youth, and the title of mine was, God is my best friend. And part of my introduction was this. What if I told you that you could be best friends with the smartest person of all time? I, I feel like this is, a, this is something we don't, 
take advantage of as fully as we could. You know, we're, we're barely scratching the surface of what's available to us too often. Speaking to myself, I, I know you all have perfect relationships with God and perfect prayer lives. I, but when I think, when I begin to think of God as my best friend, I naturally compare it to my, to an earthly best friend, right? Where there's more of that, you're, you're closer to that unconditional love. And having not been married, I, I can't speak to that. I mean, my small group knows I've been married for 15 years, but the rest of you don't know that, so. <laughs> but I, I think of a natural best friend. You know, I can, I can mess up, I can make a mistake, and Nathan will love me through it. Uh, we can, this doesn't happen anymore, thankfully, but we can not talk for weeks or months, and then the next time we're together, it's, we pick right back up where we were. And God's the same way. It's not, you know, when we have prayer time with God, it's not like we're building up credit in order to ask for something bigger. It's, uh, we don't have to, because I've felt, at times, I've felt this, like, guilt or apprehension in prayer time, because I'm like, oh, I've missed a couple days of prayer. I can't, I can't go to him now. That's not how it is. If he's your best friend, you can go to him at any time, and he's going to be there, and he wants to answer your prayers. So that's how we should approach it. We're building a relationship with an all-knowing and an all-loving God, right? There's, a, there's definitely a time and a place for more official meetings with God, but just talk to him casually. If you're, going, if you're processing something emotionally, talk it out with him. He knows about it anyway. You could be one conversation with him away from the answer that you're needing, the breakthrough that you're needing. When our prayer time is talking to God, it's religion. But when our prayer time is talking with God, it's relationship. So be anxious for nothing, but in everything, next phrase, by prayer and supplication. The thing that strikes me here uh, in this phrase, prayer and supplication, is the fact that he said both. Both words. I What's the difference? I, I figure if he's using both words, there has to be a difference, right? So I looked up the words, and they are two different Greek words. Now, this is usually the point in the service where pastor or preacher might say, oh, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I am. So, <laughs> I mean, I went to a school that has a Greek word as its, anyway. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce these, so. Uh, but the word for prayer here means prayer, or worship, an oratory. The word for supplication means a petition or a request. And our English dictionary definition of supplication is a humble, earnest entreaty or request. So still kind of hard to pick out differences there. To my, to my best understanding, I feel like supplication is kind of a level up from just regular prayer. And some, some differ, differences may be time and energy spent. Uh, for instance, a prayer is something that could be prayed 20, 30 seconds, but maybe supplication is more like 5, 10 minutes of really digging in in prayer. Or um, a prayer is something that could be done while you're driving, while you're doing something else, but supplication is more separate time uh, to really press in. That's... that's I don't have scripture for that necessarily, but that's 
kind of my understanding when I read this is that supplication is just more intensity, I guess. And when I think of that, I, I think of we're, we're told to offer prayer and supplication for our leaders. Paul tells that to Timothy. Prayer and supplication. So I encourage you, don't just toss up a half-hearted prayer for your leaders, but supplicate. Is that, is that a word? Supplicate for your leaders, and not just your, the governmental authorities, but any leaders in your life. So be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, next phrase, with thanksgiving. I personally feel like there's no more important component to prayer than thanksgiving. Uh, you know, at parents here, when you give your kids something and they're genuinely thankful for it, doesn't it just, you just want to give them more at that point, right? That's how, I feel like that's how God is with us. When we, when we approach him with thanksgiving, he's like, ah, yes, this is, this is the attitude I'm wanting from you, and it just makes him want to bless us even more. There's a, there's a lot of complaining that goes on in our world today. Obviously, we hear it, again, everywhere we turn. But once you start really thinking about things to be thankful for, I, I've done it before. I've sat down and I've started to make a list. Once you get going, it's hard to stop. You know, There's just so many things to be thankful for. And as I said earlier, we're to enter into his presence with thanksgiving. And I believe we're to leave his presence. We never really leave his presence. But I believe we're to leave times of prayer with thanksgiving as well. I like to, with many of my prayers, I like to employ the sandwich method in this, in this way. You know, we more often probably hear that in like a coaching uh, context or maybe a work context where you sandwich. You go compliment, criticism, compliment. That way the the criticism kind of gets hidden in between the good things, you know. So in prayer, I like to do thanks, request, thanks. I like to, I like to sandwich the meat of my request between buns of praise. <laughs> Feel free to tweet that one. But that's what, uh, why do I think that this is a, a biblical way to pray? This is, we see it in Jesus' model prayer. When, when the disciples say, teach us how to pray. If you're still in Matthew 6, um, that's one place where this prayer is. Verse 9, how does he start the prayer? He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. That's, that's praise. That's how he's starting. That's how he's telling his disciples to start their times of prayer. And then how does he end it? I believe it's, I don't know if it's verse 13. Um, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. There's praise, too. That's how he ended his prayer. And then in between there, in between those bookends of praise, you have the requests that he makes. So that's how we're to pray. So I encourage you in talking about this, find, find a promise that, is, that you can attach to your current uh, prayer project. Find something, you know, the, we're in a word church, we know... We know many of the promises of God. We know the promises of healing and provision and protection. Psalm 91 is a great, great thing to pray over yourself. But there are also, obviously, a lot of decisions in our life that don't have uh, specific 
promises that we can find. You know, last summer when I was looking to buy a car, there was no, you know, I read, I looked, there was no verse that said, blessed is the man who buys the 2017 Nissan Murano for he will be blessed in what he does. No. There was no verily, verily, I say unto you. No. So, so with that, <clears throat> just, I'll just give you an example of what I would pray in that regard. I would say, thank you, Father. Your word says in James that if I ask in faith for wisdom, you give me a liberal portion of it. I thank you that uh, your Holy Spirit is in me, teaching me all things and, and showing me what I need to know. I confess, according to John 10, that I know your voice, the voice of a stranger I will not follow. I, I have no communion with the enemy, so his voice has no effect in my life. I listen to your voice. I am led by your Spirit. Something along those lines. And I thank you. I, I would end it with thanks of, thank you for direction and peace as I go to make this decision. Something along those lines, you know. Find a promise. It doesn't have to be super specific, but there are enough, enough things in this word to get you through anything that you're going to be praying about. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Next phrase, let your requests be made known to God. So let's go back a little bit in Matthew 6. Uh, back up to verses 7 and 8. This is some more uh, very important instruction on prayer from Jesus himself. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. First of all, I, I have definitely found myself praying vain prayers at times. Uh, or vainly repeating prayers. There's nothing wrong with repeating prayers as long as you're still praying from the heart. It's, it's the vanity of just praying something by rote that you pray every day. I, I won't go there, never mind. <laughs> um, and it's not about the length of your prayers. He says they think that they will be heard for their many words. It's not about these long-winded prayers. I've found in my life that some of the most powerful prayers I've prayed have been the most succinct ones. It doesn't have to be all long and drawn out by any means. So Jesus says, Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. I don't think Jesus here is telling us not to ask. I think he's instilling confidence in us, in his, whoever was the, the audience at this time, instilling confidence in us that God knows your requests ahead of time. It's like, it's like going to a restaurant where the waitress already knows your order. Maybe they know your name. Maybe they know the sauces you want on the side. I may be speaking from experience. Chili's on prospect. Or Dairy Queen here in town. Slim chickens, a broken arrow. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem. It's okay. <laughs> but picture it like that, you know. God already knows what you're coming to him with, but go to him anyway. He says later in this very sermon in Matthew 7, he says, ask, and it'll be given to you. So he's not telling us not to ask. He's just instilling confidence in us that, again, we're praying to an all-knowing God. Basically, if, 
if you knew that your dad had all the money in the world, how easy do you think it would be to go up to him and ask for $5? Like, that's, that's nothing to him if he has all the money in the world. So with God's wealth of wisdom, of provision, of healing power, uh, him meeting our requests when we ask him is, is no more than $5 to him. But we're still supposed to ask. He wants us to ask with confidence. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Next phrase, and the peace of God. And the peace of God. When we pray as described in verse 6, confidently making our requests known to an all-knowing God, with thanksgiving, with no fear, this is what we can expect, the peace of God. It's not, it's not our peace. It's not man's peace. It's not Nixon's peace, you know. It's the peace of God. Uh, turn to John 14. We'll go to verse 27 and read a couple verses here. Peace is so very needed today every day. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So if the peace of Jesus leads to our being without fear, then you start to see how this is kind of cyclical. If, if when we know and understand the basic truths of God's love and goodness towards us, our anxiety has no place to stay. Then we can pray confidently, which leads to more peace. And it just keeps going and going and going. It's like a, it's like a Ferris wheel of peace and prayer. It's just, it just keeps going in a cycle. But it's important to notice the context of this verse. So let's read the one before it. Uh, 1426, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The peace that Jesus left us with is the Holy Spirit. And I cannot stress to you enough the role that the Holy Spirit should play in our prayer lives. It's as important as it is to pray Bible-based prayers. It's just as important to pray Spirit-led prayers. And those things will always coincide. They'll never, they'll never contradict each other. Brother Hagen said, success is always the result of following the leading of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I, I want to have a successful prayer life. Amen? But another aspect of this is praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. This is, uh, I, I, so many times I've felt peace just come over me as I'm spending some time praying in the Spirit. It's, it's an amazing uh, feeling. And it's an awesome tool available to those who have been filled with the Spirit, which we were privileged to see uh, many people receive last week here. It was just amazing to see. But part of that infilling includes this ability to communicate with God in a whole new way. It's, it's us syncing up with the Holy Spirit and praying perfect prayers according to the will of God. When I, the more I think about that, it's like, how, how could peace not be in that situation? 
Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let you, oh, with thanksgiving, can't forget that. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, next phrase, which surpasses all understanding. Uh, honestly, if it surpasses all understanding, there's not really a point for me expounding on this phrase. Uh, we're not going to get it anyway, so next phrase, no. Uh, but seriously, there, there are going to be times in your prayer life when this, this peace comes over you and you have zero explanation for it, and that's okay. And, and a fair warning, the people around you aren't going to get it either. So you probably shouldn't bother explaining it to them other than to just praise the God that gave it to you, right? Amen. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, next phrase and the last, I did get through this, wow, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We talked about uh, recently here the armor of God and how much of it is uh, protective and defensive. And that's how God's peace is too. It guards your hearts and minds in Christ. Praying confident prayers with gratitude will give us the peace necessary to take our thoughts captive, according to 2 Corinthians 10.5. And it will give us the peace necessary to meditate on the things that are in this next verse of Philippians 4.8. Think on the things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report. It's so much easier to keep our minds on these things when our prayer life is on track, when our relationship with God is strong, when he's our best friend. That's my encouragement to you today. I, I rolled through this just like I did last time, but uh, that's okay. You'll get an early lunch. It's all right. I might go to Chili's. But I do want to close. Uh, the praise and worship team can make your way up. Uh, I do want to close with some application with all of this. I feel like I threw quite a bit out there, and I, I don't want to do that without giving you something to take home, so to speak. Uh, Doug Jones told us, told us in one of our classes that uh, basically it, it does you no good to, to hear these things in a sermon and not take action afterwards, not, not give it any think time. That's what he said honor was all about, the think time that you give to something that you hear. So I de he definitely encouraged us in, in many classes to give application when we have these opportunities. So I encourage you to take at least one of these things for this upcoming week in regards to your prayer life, and I will commit to working on these as well. Deal? Deal. All right. So here we go. Number one, make a time budget for yourself. If prayer seems to get pushed to the back burner in your life too often, Take a good look at what does get your time throughout the week or throughout a day. Uh, John Wimber said, show me where you spend your time, money, and energy, and I'll tell you what you worship. So just like a financial budget, uh, take a look at your time and just see what things may be able, you may be able to cut out in order to uh, pursue God more deeply this week. Number two, make appointments with God. This isn't religious. It's, you do this in any of your relationships. You say, hey, let's, let's meet here at this time. Do the same with God. Give him a time and a place and, and make it a point to 
not let anything overtake that appointment. It's the most important thing you will do in any day. So set aside time uh, for that time with God. And number three, purpose to pray in the Spirit more. I know that's a little more vague, so, so let me suggest this. Choose, choose something that you do every day, whether it's your commute to work or a shower, hopefully that's daily. Uh, something along those lines. Uh, choose, choose that time to multitask. Uh, guys, choose something that's maybe a little more mindless so you can actually do this. But whatever it is, take that time, and while you're doing that, pray in the Spirit. I think you'll be amazed at the peace that comes over you as you do so. So I, I, I definitely look forward to hearing some testimonies come from this. I, prayer is such a powerful thing. I, I often feel that it's underutilized in my life. But as I continue more and more to view God as a friend, and not just some distant creator who's difficult to communicate with, I, I find freedom. And maybe you're here today and you, you've never experienced that freedom because you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. But this peace we've talked about today, this relationship in, in prayer, it's, it's real and it's available to everyone. Romans 10.13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's as simple as that. And, and becoming a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that, that fear will never try to take hold of you. But as you come to know God as your Father and begin to more fully realize His amazing love for you, the peace melts away that fear. Additionally, beyond this this short earthly life that we live. Our acceptance of Jesus also means eternity with him. And in a world of uncertainties, there's, there's no better thing you can have knowledge of than that. Assurance of salvation, assurance of eternity with our Father, the one who knows the end from the beginning. So if you're here this morning, you've never made that decision, we could stand. I'm sorry. I apologize. Go ahead and stand. If you're here this morning, you've never made that decision, just raise your hand. It's a simple, simple step, but it will change your life. It's a simple prayer, but it is a springboard to the best relationship you will ever have. So just raise your hand if, if there's anyone here who has never made that decision. God's ready for you to make that today. Amen. I don't see anybody. I trust that means that we are all already experiencing that relationship. Amen. And I also trust that we will take this word that we've heard today and, and propel forward into even a deeper relationship with him. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.